Thank you for choosing the podcast of East Haven Baptist Church in Brookhaven, Mississippi. For more information on the ministries of East Haven and to access videos and sermon notes from our services, visit www.easthaven.net. Ladies, I want to make sure you know what happens when your significant other, for some of you, your husband, goes to the jewelry store to pick out jewels for you. Whether it's a beautiful necklace that I'm sure they get you from time to time, or a, a diamond bracelet, perhaps, or earrings. This is what happens with your significant other. All those times he, he goes and picks out diamonds for you on special days or just no special day, just to express his great love for you. This is what happens when he walks in. Most of the time, the jeweler will take the diamond and put it against a dark backdrop to show how bright and shiny the jewel is. Where we are in Ephesians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul is explaining to the church how bright and shiny believers are compared to the darkness of sin, compared to the works of the flesh compared to what the world says is shiny, which is totally opposite from what God's Word says. If you have your Bible, I want to encourage you to turn now to Ephesians chapter 2 as we're walking through chapter by chapter, verse by verse, the book of Ephesians, and we're exploring how to experience and live out the truths of the gospel of Jesus Christ for this particular church and also for East Haven. Last week, we talked about how to pray for East Haven. And we noticed that there were two ways to pray for our church. One is a prayer of thanksgiving, and another is a prayer of intercession. And we were reminded that there is a way to pray. The Apostle Paul told us how to pray is thanksgiving and intercession. We had some sub-points there as we walked through the message last week, and I shared with you an orthodox prayer called the Jesus Prayer, and I also shared with you a prayer that my dad often said around the table when there was some things stirring and maybe we were cutting up, and he would usually say, it was called the Herald's Prayer, Lord, help us. And I want you to know that one of our children, we have some wonderful children in our church. I'll tell you that they are. They're just great. Children are great regardless but we've got a special group here and I am grateful for our ministry with our children and their parents and their grandparents that so often I see them investing in their grandchildren I had one of our precious children coming to me on Wednesday night said man he said in his own words he was saying pastor Hal I have prayed the herald prayer many times this past week Lord, help us. And I said, good for you. Me too. So if you weren't here last week, just know that there are times you can just say, Lord, help us in your prayer, your prayer with your family or your church. But today, we're going to look at the great exchange. What happens to a believer in Christ from the old life to the new life? And then the fact that There's a work for us to do as a believer from the time of salvation to the time we go home to glory. Verse 1 of Ephesians chapter 2, as for you, 
meaning to the church, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, meaning the evil one, the devil, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts like the rest. We were by nature deserving of wrath, verse 4, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, not that this is from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast about it. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. All right, the great exchange, two major points in your listing sheet, or you can make a middle note. Here we go. The first one is this. We went as a believer from death to his life. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is not a righteous man on earth who never sins, the Bible says. We are all wretched in and of ourselves. The unbeliever is not just sick or sick, he's dead. Dead in his trespasses. Wiersbe says the lost derelict on Skid Row may be more decayed outwardly than the unsaved society leader, but both are dead in sin, and one corpse cannot be deader than another. They're both dead in their sin, no matter what they look like, no matter what their status is in society. We are all dead in our trespasses. Now, the evil one, the world, and the flesh are the three ways that we sin and the we are tempted to fall into temptation in this sin. The three forces that encourage the disobedience. Again, if you're taking notes, sub-points. You've got the world, you've got the flesh, and you've got the devil. Let's look at each one. First of all, the world. The world refers to the ways of the culture. It refers to trends, whether it's materialism, naturalism, a desire for instant gratification, no longer our ruler as a believer, but the world can be an influencer trying to pull us back into bondage. Romans 12.2 says, do not conform any longer 
to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may be able to test and approve what God's will is. So the way that we fight the world is not doing stinking thinking. We conform ourselves to what God thinks. How do we do that? Through his word, through our devotional time, through prayers, through songs, through music, through testimonies, through good Christian radio that helps us fall in love with the Lord. There's all kind of ways to help us fight against the world because the enemy hates you. If he's lost you, he's going to do everything he can to thwart you, and he uses the world. So what are some other examples examples of that? How we respond in our words. Do you ever say something and think, I wish I hadn't said that? Sure we do. As believers, we're not perfect. We don't always think right, and we don't always say things right. And sometimes the depth of things we say should cause us to really be broken and have some time with the Lord confessing our sin and making things right with perhaps if it was to another person. That's the way the world works. Examples, how we use our words, how we dress, how we carry ourselves, activities that we participate in. So we're not to be odd for God. We're not to be mean to unbelievers and intentionally judgmental toward them. God's word convicts, but we're to be examples And we're to be careful about the world's ways and that they don't influence our lives or our family, our immediate family. So you've got the world. Then you've got the power of the air, Satan and his demons. May have said before, or the pastor once said, I don't believe there's a demon behind every bush, but he's behind some. And so we we need to keep in mind that they oppose God and his children. He The enemy, the devil, will try to deceive those in the church to destroy our witness at times. But remember, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Don't ever forget that, church. Don't be fearful. Be faithful. Be alert. First Peter says that. Be alert. He's a roaring lion. He wants to devour us. He wants... us to be destroyed and let me make sure we understand something the greater impact a church has in its community fighting the culture the greater the attack will be on staff and leaders and others bank on it it's biblical it's here we're to be fearful no we're to be faithful and we're to be prayerful and we're to be mindful that that's going to happen You cannot make a difference in the world in which we live in today without the enemy recognizing if it's truly biblical and real. He will come at us in all kind of different ways. Again, we shouldn't be scared, but we need to ask the Lord to help us. Lord, help us. Help us. So you got the world. you got the power of the air, the enemy, the demons, the devil, and you got passions of the flesh. Apostle Paul is speaking of our fallen nature. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come, but the flesh is something we fight against until we go home to heaven. 
So if you have your Bible and you don't mind, turn to Romans or you can just listen. Romans chapter 6. I want to read another passage here that helps explain this. In Romans chapter 6, beginning with verse 11, let me read through verse 14. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Talking to someone who's been born again. Therefore, the writer says, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but you are under grace. In our text, for by grace you saved through faith. It's not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Another cross-reference would be Galatians 5.16, where the Bible says, Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Tony Evans said, No clever arrangement of bad eggs can result in a good omelet. You put together an omelet, you got one bad egg, you're going to have a messed up omelet. We are sinners. We fight the flesh, the devil, the world. But we were dead. That was our former life for those that believe in Christ Jesus. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. We go through Christ, admit our sin, believe on him, confess him as Savior and Lord. And then this new life. And it's talked about in this passage. It's broken down this way. He made us alive. We were dead in our sin. He raised us up to a new, clean life. He cleans us up. We can't do it. We abide in him, John 15. If you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Without me, you can do nothing. We go through him and we live his life. It comes out in us. He seated us. With him in the heavenly places, we were destined for hell, but God gave us a seat next to his own son. And where we stand in life is determined where we are seated. And verse 6 says, we're seated with Christ. He raised us up to a new clean life. He gave us a new seat. He made us alive. He is the one that causes us to be Fresh and new and live what John 10, 10 says, the abundant life. We're not perfect. We're going to have those days. We're going to have those failures. But God in his grace continues to show his great love. We saw that in verse 7 as well. He says he shows his kindness toward us. Aren't we grateful for the grace of God? We're grateful For saving grace. And we're grateful for the grace that God provides for us and gives us day to day, moment by moment, in spite of ourselves that sometimes we may not even realize. He brings us from death to life. So we see 
First major point, we were here, darkness. He's given us great light and life in him. The second thing, let's look at this works thing. We went from, major point number two, from our works to his works. Again, first, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace you saved through faith. It verifies it's not our works, it's his finished work. He didn't take us on to heaven because he has work for us to do here. And I want to make this statement. Many Christians are unfulfilled and miserable here on earth because they've not gotten around to doing the good works God has for them to do here. We're miserable folks if we live that way. It is for eternity. My goodness, that's great. But if it was just for that, he'd just beam us up, Scotty. He'd just take us on up. We're here. And we're here to do a good work that he has for us. And some people are unfulfilled as believers, are miserable because they're just toying with it and thinking, well, I'll get to it, I'll get to it, I'll get to it. I'll do it after I get through with college. I'll, I'll make sure after I graduate from high school. I'll make sure after my kids are grown. I'll make sure after on and on and on. And we can miss what God has for us now as a believer in Jesus Christ. The works in this verse does two things. We see, one, it glorifies God. And secondly, it benefits others. It glorifies God. And it benefits other people. We're to serve, we're to use our abilities, we're to use our gifts. What? To bring glory to us? No, to glorify God and to benefit others. Jesus said, love God with our heart, soul, and mind, and love others as yourself. On Thursday morning, with hungry men, we're studying the life of David. And this next week when we gather, men, just a little peek at our passage where we're going to talk about David and Goliath. But if you want to see a man, an example in the Old Testament that gave glory to God, but also was using what he had an ability to do, it's David. Listen to this. David said to the Philistine, Goliath, you know the passage probably, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord, the Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you. You notice how David didn't say, I come to you in the name of David, a mighty warrior, a rugged, handsome man. No, 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 no. That's not what he said. He said, I come to you in the name of the Lord. What was he doing? He recognized his place, his seat. As Christians, we recognize our seat in Christ. And because we are here, we're to live for him. We're to be, do battle for him. We're to give glory to him and understand how serious that is. That's why we can stand on our convictions, not fear man, but fear God. This day, the Lord will deliver you, he said, into my hands. I'll strike you down, cut off your head. This very day, I will give the carcass of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there's a God in Israel. That's giving God the glory. And that's what he's saying in the passage. The apostle Paul is saying, live for God. Give glory to him. He will use you. All those gathered here, he said, will know that it is not by sword 
or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. Why could David be so confident? Because he realized he was simply a tool to bring, to bring glory to God. God had helped him be faithful in the past. He killed the lion, remember? He killed the bear, remember? And he's going to help me with this giant I face. And he's going to use who I am. And that's the same thing we should do. Someone has said God doesn't need a lot to do a lot. All David in the Old Testament had was five stones. And all David used was one. He brings us from death to life. Now. When I was getting ready for this particular message and this week, I thought to myself, now what would be a good practical way to help us further understand how this works? And so I got an idea. And my idea is... I think I'll interview somebody in our church that's gone from death to life and understands it's not their works that's getting to heaven, but God working through them through the church. And then I started thinking about staff and deacons and leaders and people and people in the choir and some of our teenagers, and I thought, well, do I tell them ahead of time? Because sometimes if you tell people, you know, sometimes it's better. I've learned this with my wife. It's better to get forgiveness instead of permission. You know what I mean? Some of you guys are saying, yeah, I know what you mean. Amen. So I thought, you know, there is a man here. All the ladies are like, whew. <laughs> and I had a chance to hear his journey, his testimony early on in my seven-plus months here. You talk about a guy that's gone from death to life. This is one. You say, well, did you tell him you're about to interview him in front of the whole church? I gave him a little heads up. I sent him a text this morning. <laughs> and I said, Diddy, come on up here, please. I said, Diddy, are you going to be in church today? Because he helps with security. He said, like, I could hear the, on the text. You know how you can hear people on the text? Like, yeah. <laughs> and Diddy, if you're upset with me, uh, it was Scott's fault. It was, let's blame it on Scott. And what I want to do is I just was blessed, Diddy, when you shared your testimony with me one day in the office. And so if you don't mind, when you think about, first of all, going from death to life in your own words, just tell us what Jesus has done to take you from death to life in your own words. 
raised in the church. I was there every time the door opened until I was 17. Until I graduated from high school, and I didn't go back to church for 30 years. Pretty much stayed drunk for 30 years. And I got an invitation to come to my first grandchild's baby dedication. So I came to East Haven. Never been to East Haven before. And I, everybody was so friendly here and everything. It was good. I went back home and for six months, God told me to come back here. And I was just turned up the radio louder so I couldn't hear him. And that doesn't work too good. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I told Donna I wanted to come to East Haven. I think she was going to first Baptist. I said, East Haven. So I came back to East Haven and and I was just radically saved. I was still drinking a little bit, and God told me to, he wanted me to quit drinking, and I told him that I couldn't. And he told me he would take it away from me, hmm. that he would do it for me. Amen. And he did. Amen. Instantly. <laughs> Never had the desire again. It was, it was great, and it's just done so much since hmm. then. And I... Uh, Saved one of my friends that was a Wiccan mm. from uh, Michigan. He, he would come down to Brookhaven. And uh, we were baptized together. And then he was killed just a few weeks later in a car wreck. And that was a mm. <laughs> strange day to be happy and sad. Mm. But, uh, and he's done so much mm. since then. Yeah. Just. Totally changed everything. Amen. Totally changed everything. Yeah. Did he? He went. You t went from death to life. Yeah. And he did that in and through you. It yes. wasn't of yourself. Now, when you think about works, and the fact that the Bible, the verse ten says we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Mm -hmm. What are some things that He's allowed you and equipped you to do in His church, East Haven? But. Uh, was in the choir for a long time, mm. and I have a little uh, leg problem. I can't stand up very long for it. So I, mm. Anyhow, I had to do that, but and to serve mm. in the security mm -hmm. and to help with this men's breakfast. I love to cook some, so I've been cooking a little bit for that, and it's just, it's great. It's mm. great. Mm. And the, Three people out there can tell you a lot too. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Please thank him for sharing his testimony. You did great. Thank you, DB. Now, you've got God's word that says this is how it happens for us as believers. And then we have a real life testimony. And I so appreciate Dee Dee doing that, of what occurs when God genuinely transforms and saves a person. And he will do that to anybody. I don't care who you are in this building or listening on the radio, no matter what you've done, how wretched you are, God can save you and rescue you. And change your story. 
He can take a mess and make a message. We just got to be willing to surrender like Didi did. And then to be fulfilled, we do the work that he has for us. And every part of the body of Christ is important. The foot, the hand, the arm. Lord Jesus, we thank you for Ephesians. We thank you for what we're learning as a church. And God, I thank you for Dee's wonderful, genuine testimony of your grace. I pray now your will be done during the invitation. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. Robert's going to lead us and others in our invitation. Other staff members will join me here at the front. We're here to pray for you and with you. We're here to receive you. If you feel like, I want to make a step toward joining this fellowship, that's certainly appropriate to come and make that in, and indicate that. It may be you want to come to the altar and pray. It may be you want someone to pray for you. It may be that this testimony or a song or something in God's Word spoke specifically to you, and you know that now you know that's why I came today. That was for me. And it may be you just sing all the louder and more excited, or you just come and say, God spoke to me. I just want to praise Him for it. Let a staff pray for you.